You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So I already did the whole rigmarole explaining why everything's happening. So if you don't know, it means you didn't listen to Packernet After Dark and shame on you. Um, With that said, what we're doing today is another version of Packernet After Dark. We're going to be doing calls. A couple reasons. Uh, but the biggest one is that we're kind of behind and won't be able to get through them all um, if we don't do this. So we're going to go a little bit heavy, see how many calls we can get through, and then we'll kind of reassess and see where we're at. But without further ado, why don't we just go ahead and get started as soon as I change this in right here. Ready, set, go. Now here we go. Hey, Ryan. It's hey, hey, Ron. Uh, I was uh, just humming to myself a little song that... Uh, thought you'd like okay. it's about um the Packers defense and mm. it's also kind of tied into the holiday season so here wow. goes I'm dreaming of a good defense <laughs> just like the one we've never had that's it that's good that's like all it. I'm dreaming of I wish we had a defense that could play up to their talent <laughs> maybe Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Well, I love the, um, <laughs> I freaking, you gave me a great idea, by the way. And um, I'm not going to do it now because I am planning a Christmas episode. It's, it's a tradition. I have to get up. I have to give you a Christmas episode. It's just a thing that has to happen. And you've given me some fantastic material. You could probably guess, but just shut up and don't guess. Pretend, just, just like Christmas when you see your present, just pretend you didn't see it. And then be surprised when you get your present. You're like, oh my goodness, that was the best podcast in the world. And I'll be like, thank you. My name's Santa Claus. Hey, Hattie. Hey, Snacks. The pal Snacks here. What about on, Camel? Camel? Shooting out that tweet right after LeFleur made his comments oh, about Campbell. communication and whatever else. And- He's it a Camel. I don't know. Maybe I'm misinterpreting it, but I feel like Campbell probably thought that he thought that was a shot right at him. And was like, that's it, I'm not playing hurt, whatever else. Like, dude. <laughs> oh, this is how this is how this is how it Well, to be fair, it probably was a shot right at him. Um I mean, <laughs> first of all, they, they they had some time to speak to one another, and I'm sure he was thrown under the bus directly in terms of the mistakes he made. Plus, he knows. He knows he made some mistakes. He knows he had a bad day and he's not happy about it. And so when the coach is like, yeah, some people out there were not understanding what they're supposed to be doing or were messing up. You, if you know that's you, you're pissed. Like, all right, dude, whatever. Bro, I got a like a 
So I told you I've been on a sparkling water kick. So I got I got the traditional LaCroix, but I got some like creamsicle stuff. Dang. It's so good. This happens, man. This is how it happens. When uh veterans are doing this and everybody's squabbling. Told you, man, the McDuffie twenty twenty four thing, we should have gotten that train a little bit sooner. And did McDuffie not play any snaps at all on Sunday? Like nothing? Not even a Let's see. Not even a hint of the field? I don't know what that's about. Um, man, they, I, I almost feel like they've got to drop Barry now. Like, I just, I think LaFleur is now going to be under fire or whatever else. Like, if, if they had dropped Barry yesterday, do you think Campbell sends that tweet out? Um, do you think Jair plays Sunday? I don't know. I, I, You'd be hard pressed to think that those guys don't sit up a little bit taller in meetings and yeah. think twice about doing stuff like Campbell just did if they if they pull the plug. Um, and they're gonna you got to think they're gonna be doing it anyway, right? I don't know. Not good, buddy. Not good. Uh, but we still have each other and all of us and Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it feels like we're just in hold on for dear life uh, territory right now. You know, just things are not good and they're rapidly falling apart. Um, but, you know, if we're not going to move on from people and send that kind of a message, then just just hang on, man. You know, I mean, it's, it becomes like a, a self-sabotaging spiral because now that the players are disgruntled, the players probably are not going to be playing as well. And as a result of the players not playing well, they're going to be even more disgruntled. So it's uh, it's going to be kind of a thing. But three weeks, man, we just got to survive three weeks. And at the end of the day, look, we're, we're, we're here to build a championship football team. And although I understand the frustration from players, and I think they have a right to be frustrated with some stuff, um, there comes a time when it's like, look, that time is over it's time to man up and you're either going to play or you're not like, just, just tell me like you're pissed. I get it. You're not happy about the way things went. I get it. You're not happy about the comments made by the DC and the, and the head coach. Like if I'm Gutekunst or whatever, sitting down with you, it's like, listen, I just need to know, can you play for Matt LaFleur or not? Can you play for this new defensive quarter coordinator or not? Can you play for the green Bay Packers? Cause either you're going to hold a grudge and you can go do that somewhere else or you can get over it and we can play. So heat of the moment, you're ticked off. It makes sense. I get it. But, you know, we got to move on, and we got to assess who's who's willing and able to move on and who's just going to be a toxic person in the locker room because that's not worth anything. You can look at me like, well, he's a great player. He, he's, a, he's potentially a great player with an attitude that's going to sabotage your locker room, and uh, it's not worth it to me. And no, McDuffie did not play a single snap. Hey Ryan, it's Seth. Hey. Um, had a thought for you this morning, and uh, I'm not like 100% set on this, but I am leaning towards this uh, opinion or idea that I'm going to throw out there. And that is, um, I was listening to your podcast from a few days ago, and um, actually right before, um, I think it was right before the game. I remember right, but then I was like, if I call in now, I'm probably too late. And so, anyways, here I am calling back. Um, you were talking about how the defense, you know, sucks and you don't care if they give up 70. Um, 
you're just worried about how the offense does right now, especially with Barry being on his way out. And uh got to thinking about that and how that comment or point relates to the draft. And I think I am at a point right now where I don't want to I don't want to see us invest top tier picks and defense in the near future. Um, my reasoning for that is we are already loaded with top tier talent. And until we get a defensive coordinator in here that proves that they know how to utilize sure. that talent, I don't want to, I don't want to waste any more picks on top level talent. You know, um, Jair is pissed off. Quay's underperforming. Savage sucks, which maybe that's just Savage. Um, Gary has dropped off. As of late, Kenny Clark has always been up and down. Thankfully, he's been more up this year. But until we can get our talent performing to a, to a consistently good level that they're capable of, and and until, you know, it's consistent, I see no reason to give our defense um, any more top-end talent. We've Our defense has sucked for so many years now, so I'm all in favor of, Get get uh, a top a top end tackle or maybe right guard or center. Maybe you want to triple up on tight ends and get a little crazy. You know, if by some miracle, a top top you know level wide receiver falls to us, or maybe we trade up for Marvin Marvin Harrison. That'd be a dream come true, and probably thing can happen. But uh, what I'm saying is, Lafleur knows what he's doing. He's smart. Let's give him and Love some every piece of talent he can and let's get an offense that goes up there and puts up 35 30 points consistently and periodically has those 35 40 point games and hopefully can overcome a bad defense and uh once we get a good d coordinator in here then we can go back and and add more talent if we need to um i'll admit it's kind of hard with like cooper DeGene and stuff to pass up but i think that's where i set for now all right talk to you later well i completely understand that i think the only the only objection, and it's pretty obvious, would be, you know, the way that we built this team is the right way to build it, which is best player available, right? I mean, if you have one guy left on your board, let's say, that is like a top five talent, and he falls to you at 10 or wherever we're picking, and that happens to be a defensive player, you know, it just it just is what it is. With that being said, Unless that's the situation, and I'm talking big gap and we're real sure of it, I tend to agree with you. Number one, I think we've invested enough, which that's a stupid thing to say. It's not that we've invested enough. It, it, you never had enough. We, we, we need some better players in certain areas, there's no doubt about it, and, and you can always use more depth. But we, we do need, let's put it this way, if we didn't add a single defensive piece and then we got a new defensive coordinator to come in and the defense, defense isn't very good, would the attitude be well obviously we didn't invest in it would that really be the attitude i can't imagine that it would be because it's not obvious that we're bad even if we don't add a single piece i'm looking at the pieces we have and say i don't think we should be bad the point is i think we have the pieces to be successful right now now if if, if we can you know again cooper DeGene, cool we could use a safety right he's a talented guy safety slash slot corner whatever i don't freaking know whatever i don't even know what our presumably new defensive coordinator which I probably shouldn't assume that because i potentially could get let down but i don't even know what kind of scheme or or types of players they're going to be looking for which could be an interesting dynamic in and of itself is learning about this guy and what kind of pieces they have cuz that that's kind of a thing too 
something to remember, especially if you're not looking for defense. If we do get another defensive coordinator, it might be the priority to make sure that, for example, you know, we had a inside linebacker coach as a defensive coordinator who goes to, you know, Brian Gutekunst and says, I really need that Tampa two linebacker, that guy that can run and cover and all those kinds of things. And what do we do? We get Quay in the first round. If there's a piece, like if, if, if he's real big on, on that kind of a safety or whatever, you know, hybrid safeties, or, or we just don't have this particular piece, could be a linebacker, you know, there may need to be some some additions that are made. And maybe that's partially in free agency if you can do it, but you can't always count on that. There's a possibility that that's a thing. But anyways, I, 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 I again, I do generally agree. I would love, love to be able to load up on offense. And if it, I mean, just, just think about the situation. Let's just say we did that hypothetically, and it, it's not going to happen, but let's say every single pick went to offense. And as a result, we have a top five offense, but our defense is bad again. Are we really going to be sad? I don't think I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be upset about the defense in particular, but overall, dude, we in year two, we added a bunch more weapons. We have a top two offense. We probably got into the playoffs. I mean, we might get into the playoffs now with like the 11th ranked offense and 28th ranked defense. How much freaking worse can the defense get? A little, but not too much. And so, okay, 2024, you look at it and go, well, I guess we need some pieces. Maybe another defense coordinator. <laughs> I don't know, but that's that's a whole other issue. I'm I'm excited about it. So, yeah, we have not invested a ton in the offense. I would. I mean, it's the most important thing as far as first of all, success in the NFL. I know defense wins championships. That's great, but let's not freaking kid ourselves. This is an offensive driven league. You have a play caller. You have a quarterback. You have to build around that. Period. So if you have to reach for that elite wide receiver or go all in on just a dominant freaking offensive line, maybe go a little early on on a top tier running back, maybe add another tight end. You know, if Josiah is just not the guy, find you a new Josiah, you know, whatever. Generally speaking, I think, you know, tie goes to the offense. Let's just say that. Anyways, let's take our first break. We'll come back and hear from uh, Pedro. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Ryan. What's up? What's up? Pedro from Brazil here. Man, just listen to the pod where you were talking about Baltimore's defensive coaches. Mm-hmm. And, man, I got excited about that that guy. The linebacker's coach, if, sure. if yeah. I'm not mistaken. That guy is really the kind of a dude that I think will be a great coach in the next few years. But hear me out. I know he's just an inside linebacker's coach and he probably has a really bright future. But what if we hired that other dude, the assistant head coach, whatever, mm-hmm. to be our defensive coordinator? And he hires he brings some guys over. this Zach dude to work for us under him, like, I don't know. Um, One game. Some made up. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of promotion yep. for him? Exactly. So he can groom. Under a more experienced guy, and then he assumes in like a couple of years, two, three, four years, I don't know. So I think if you can, if you, you can take a more experienced guy from Baltimore, you will probably call this dude because he will say like, you know, this guy, he's the next, I don't know, the next Bill Village. He, he, he's just awesome. So, yeah, there's that. We're thinking about that and got pretty excited. So that's it. Bye-bye. Have a good one. And that is the cool thing, especially if you get a group of really good coaches in a certain area, like I think Baltimore has. Like, for example, I pointed out Cleveland, and I don't know that they have great coaches. I think they have a good defensive coordinator that's that's getting the job done, and they have some, you know, like an elite pass rusher that, you know, it's just a good combination. But let's just assume that I'm right, that Baltimore not only has a guy that's a good candidate, but there's a lot of good coaches. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely would be leaning on that person to try to poach people. And you're right, how awesome would that be? You know, again, he's he's a fast riser, but he's also very young. And so continuing to move up would be awesome. And it would be a good environment for him. Not only, first of all, would he get a promotion, but he'd still be sticking with the same scheme and the same, it's not like a complete, you know, he needs to overhaul everything. It's just, we're going to run the same thing. We're just going to install it. And that's going to be a great experience for you because it's not just... You come in and run it. We have to, we got to build this thing. And you're going to be like my right-hand man in building this. So that'll be a really good thing too. And so, yeah, I mean, for him, like the next step probably is um, defensive coordinator if they can get this defense running. So I, I like that. I think that's a fantastic idea. Well done. So we, we just we just solved it, man. Me and you, Pedro. We got it. We know what we're doing. Hey, Ryan. Pedro from Brazil here again. What's up? So... I was just having lunch, and something dawned on me. You know how Brian Gilkins always says that he drafts really smart players and that he's looking for that, and all the investment we made on defense? So I think he's right. I think our players on defense are brilliant, and they are way smarter than us. Because, hear me out, what they are doing, they are sucking on the run defense on purpose because they want the offense to get, like, short three downs, short, short three downs, because they know 
that if it's a longer, a third and long, they will convert. So they they they, they let them run. Okay, you want to run for eight yards? Okay, come on, let's run for eight yards. No. Oh geez, now it's it's third and short. I will sack you. That's it, done. <laughs> but if it's third and long, then there's no stopping. So maybe that's planned. Maybe they know that Joe Barry sucks, and they are baiting the offense to play their game. So that's it. Okay, tell me what you think. Bye bye. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I I. I... I follow the logic, and, and it seems pretty sound to me in terms of, listen, we can't stop them if it's like third and eight or longer. So we want to make sure we're not in any third and eight situations. So the best way to do that is to make sure that they run, right? Because if they pass, it could be incomplete. Now all of a sudden it's second and ten, and it's like, oh, man, if they're incomplete again, we're screwed. So you want to not only bait them into running, but you're also kind of killing two birds with one stone. You're enticing them to run. And uh, you're doing that by being bad on uh, against the run, which, in effect, gives you exactly what you want. You know, you get them in a third and three, a third and four. Oof, oof. That's those are the money money downs right there. Third and eleven, no, that's rough. Third and four, little. You don't really trust running it, but you might have to throw it. The only kind of issue is. I don't even know if I like third and four because third and four, we're going to play six yards off and they're going to convert. It almost needs to be like a third and two. And then you just hope that they really buckle down. So it's tricky, man. Uh, figuring out how to how to make a defense work is tricky. These are the kinds of things you got to figure out, I guess. I don't envy them. That's for sure. Hello, Ryan. Hello. This is Sloth. <laughs> we think that Wix is wide receiver one now. Right? Bye. I don't, I don't know what happened. Uh, maybe. I mean, he's he's maybe been our best receiver this year. Um, I don't know. I, it, it doesn't feel like a, an important distinction at this point. I think Different guys emerge on different days, but has he been maybe the best receiver? I think he probably has been. Um, so if we want to call him wide receiver one, that's fine. I don't think he's necessarily going to be. Like at the at the end of the day, I don't think he's going to be the guy where we're all looking at it going, no, we don't need a better like wide receiver one. Like he's that dude. I don't think it's ever going to be a thing. But has he been the best this year? Yes. Am I happy that we drafted him? Yes. Do I am I excited for the future in which he can be sort of a really good number two? Yes, I think so. Hey Ryan, Steve up in Alaska, just out doing the work and uh, listening to the podcast. Um, I normally don't make I haven't made a whole lot of mention about defense because you know and, and Joe Barry because everybody else has been covering that that situation yeah fully and completely, but uh. After kind of listening to everybody and, and looking at what happened and seeing what's going what's going on with this, um, and you got kids, so I'm I'm sure you might be able to understand this, even though because when you play a game with your young young ones, in a way you're kind of playing against yourself because they don't really know what to do, so you're always kind of giving a little hinders and guys. And when you watch Joe Barry and he watch the way the defense does things, it, it almost seems like a guy. Who only practice or plays football against himself, and he doesn't—he doesn't 
think about what the other guys are doing. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is if you think about it, like the play that, you know, you showed being broken down where we were overcovering to uh, Evan's side and leaving Godwin's side open. Um, it, if you think about it, when he first got with us and we had Rodgers, what would we do on a third and three or third and four? We're throwing it 20 yards downfield, sure. 30 yards downfield. That's what we did. So that's what he practices against, and that's what that's well, and that's yeah, that's still what we do too. I mean, that's what Jordan wants to do. So in practice, we probably see a lot of that, and especially if they're converting it, if if they're able to get you know Jordan down to Reed or whatever for twenty yards, if, if you're Joe Barry, that probably sticks in the back of your head like we can't let him do that. So in his mind, this is what we're going to do because this is what I would do. This is what our team would do, even though we don't really do that anymore. He's never gotten out of it. So he's, he's like a guy who plays chess against himself, and then he goes to play somebody else, and he thinks he's good, but he gets his butt kicked all the time because he thinks he knows what he's doing because he only plays really against himself. This is what I would do, and so this is how I'm going to defend it. Instead of looking at the other team and saying, hey, this is what they could do or what they may do, and I need to be able with the possibilities across the board of what they could do, not just – well, this is what we would do. This is what I think should be done here. So I'm going to defend that play this way. You know, I, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But it's just the way that I see it. You know, our, our defense is just porous as all can be. And more times than not, it's pretty obvious that teams are taking big advantage of where our players are being put. And our players are being put where Joe Barry thinks they should go because Joe Barry plays the game this way. And, yeah, we, we need somebody else. You know, we need somebody else that's going to go after the team. I mean, we're not nearly aggressive enough. We don't really, we don't nearly attack enough. But um, like everybody says on on short yardage down, you know, a second and one or, you know, third and two, and we're playing eight, nine yards off the receivers, and, and we're not attacking the quarterback. Oh, man, my time's up. <laughs> I think what we've determined is that uh, the real culprit here is not Joe Barry. It's um, it's Jordan Love. Jordan Love is the problem with this defense because Jordan is constantly trying to attack down the field. He's always trying to take those shots, and I think he's just got Joe Barry flustered, and that's probably the pro- We should probably get rid of Jordan Love, and that'll fix our defense, I think. Me again. Um, yeah, we, we don't attack the quarterback, not – not in the way that I, you know, you watch other teams come after us. They're bringing safety blitzes and corner blitzes, and you know they're overloading sides to, to put pressure on the quarterback to stress us to make us have to do something fast. So they can't, we can't go downfield. And what does Joe Barry do? We're we're rushing three and and, and dropping eight. What? The quarterback got all day. Eventually, somebody's going to get open because it turns into three flies up. Then you just got to wait for a receiver to run around and get to a little open spot because our guys don't follow the playing zone. <laughs> they stay in their spot, and you let somebody get open down because you're watching the quarterback. Um, so yeah, I'm you know I'm fully on that. We need somebody new. Um, I like your uh, your look at Baltimore. Um, I'm also wondering about uh, look the Jets head coach Robert Sala. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got a shot of getting fired, and the Jets defense is good. You know, I don't know if anybody's going to give him another head coaching job, but if we could get him over as our defensive coordinator, that'd be awesome. Um, 
I'm also a little bit wondering about what's going to happen with Ron Rivera because he's a defensive guy. And I know you can look at his record as a head coach, but that doesn't mean he can't go back to being a D coordinator because he's good at that. His defenses are generally good. The Washington thing got scored, but that's Washington, and who knows what goes on in that place. Um, so there's a couple guys out there, and I think we could find somebody really strong and, and, and have this thing be something real. Like I said, I don't mind the, the former head coaches coming over and, and being a D coordinator because they understand how to build a system. They understand how to build a culture. And you don't have to build the whole team culture. You just need to build the culture on this side of the ball. And they do that, and we can have a lot going for us. So, all right, man, I've uh, doubled up my time here. I usually don't call back a second time, so I'm going to let you go and go back to work. Go, Pat, go. We'll talk to you all later. Yeah, I mean, Sal is, I think, a slam dunk. It's just a question of would that ever happen. I don't think he's going to get fired. And, and if he did, um, you know, again, good chance he gets a head coaching opportunity and if he doesn't then every pretty much every you know team in the league is looking for a defensive coordinator so it's it is it possibly gets fired sure is it possible then that he doesn't get any head coaching offers sure is it possible then that he looks for dc jobs and picks us yeah i would say if we get to that point it's fairly likely because i know he and matt lafleur are very very close but you know, I mean, would that be a dream come true? Of course. And, and that's one of those things where Matt can pick a buddy and we're not going to be mad at him. You know, it'll probably have to be, you know, assistant head coach slash defensive coordinator or whatever job. But um, And then Rivera, probably something similar. I, th- I think the only real concern that, you know, I and, and a lot of people have, and, and there's different ways of thinking about this. And I think somebody had called in, said the exact, like they, they like the, the veteran guys or whatever, but I don't know. I, I definitely lean toward find the young, brilliant minds that are out there somewhere, and am less excited about some of the old retreads. I mean, you can't really do much better than Mike Pettin if you're looking for like a, a, a retread. I mean, you're talking one of the best defensive minds for a certain period of time. Tried the head coaching thing; it didn't work out. Went on to be sort of a coach slash consultant type of role. And then gets back into the DC game and we get him. I mean, it was like a dream come true and it just didn't work. So I, I, I'd i have to look more into it. I haven't really thought about it. That may be just sort of a let's see what happens as far as him getting fired and, and we'll go from there. And as far as the Baltimore thing, I didn't really anticipate it being such a big deal. I was kind of just going to go through a bunch of different teams and kind of look at different options. And I just kind of got stuck on Baltimore because I didn't realize how much I would like it. And then, of course, I talk longer than I anticipate. So it's like, well, so much for going through a bunch of different options here. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Baltimore and I like a lot of the the guys there and I'll be interested in learning a little bit more about it. But one step at a time, we got Carolina coming up and uh, we'll see how the defense does. You know, we pitch a shutout and suddenly it's going to be like, you know, maybe Joe ain't going to lose his job. I'm just saying. Anyways, why don't we take a break? I was just made aware of this and I hate trying to read these things live because I am a stupid, fat, blubbering baby already <laughs> having a hard time just getting to it here. But our, our buddy Matt Ramage, uh, apparently somebody that he works with, um, started a GoFundMe or, or you know somebody started a GoFundMe for his daughter. But the GoFundMe is help Aria or Aria with her battle against leukemia. I can't do this. (laughs) I can't read this thing. Here we go. It says, hello, I'm McKenna. 
Never mind. I can't. <laughs> I just, it's as far as I can get. Bottom line is there is a uh, young girl. Her age is not listed, I don't think, but I don't, I don't think she could be older than five years old. Says she has been in the hospital since the 15th of this month, so a week ago or so. Next day, did a procedure in which they had to uh, put her to sleep and do a bunch of procedures. And then on the 17th, she did her first of many chemo treatments. Her dad is going to be off work without pay to be with her kid at the hospital. They uh, set a goal of 5000 It's, as of my reading of this, $3,700. Um, obviously, I'm hoping we can kind of blow past that, if at all possible. Obviously, it's hard to imagine trying to go through something like this on Christmas. Spend it in the hospital with your daughter battling leukemia. So anyways, we've all bought a lot of presents, I'm guessing, this year for our family, our kids, our parents, sisters, aunts, and uncles, whatever. I would just ask you to consider buying one more. I will uh, remember to put the link to this in uh, last night's Packing It After Dark as well as this episode. Um, I have reposted on social media as well as Clayton has offered um, via the Packernet podcast, but Clayton has offered. Uh, let me make sure I get this here. He says, um, Packernet Podcast Network is donating an autographed Paul Horning jersey to this cause. For anyone who donates, you will be entered into a drawing to win the Golden Boy autographed jersey with a certificate of authenticity. So, again, he was kind enough to credit the podcast, but that's uh, that's Clayton. So thanks to him for, for doing that. And uh, thank you all for uh, for those of you that can, that can give. Preemptively say thank you for that. Because obviously, you know, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's not about covering his expenses while he's off work. That's not the point. You know, I don't need to know... Well, how much do you need to cover this just to cover your pay? I, 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 that's not the issue. The last thing in the world you should have to worry about is money. And if we can take a burden off a person's shoulders going through something like this, I think we should. And we do have that ability. I don't care, you know, give them a quarter million so they can pay off their house as far as I'm concerned. You know, I, I just, it's just unimaginable. And hopefully we can just ease as much of whatever burden they may have. And of course, we'll all be excited for when um, Arya is able to go home and uh, get much better. And hopefully they can have a fantastic Christmas, even if that's not exactly on the 25th. But let's send them some money so they can buy a huge mountain of presents. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. What's up? It's Aaron from Eau Claire. What up? Um, as we talk about the potential replacements for Joe Barry at defensive coordinator, uh, I was uh, thinking about, you know, people have talked about Jim Leonard from the Badgers being a good choice and so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> I'm just curious what your thought is uh, as a college coach. How do you think that would translate to the NFL? Because I think people talk about him like, oh, he's a Wisconsin guy. He's a great, he would be a great defensive coordinator. Go hire him right now. Um, and I wonder, I guess maybe I'm just a little skeptical that being a really good college defensive coordinator is going to make him a really good NFL defensive coordinator. It makes me a little nervous seeing as 
we've kind of taken some chances on defensive coordinators that are unproven. Um, <clears throat> I think Mike Petton had some proven success, but also had a lot of unproven aspects to his tenure, um, as a, especially as a head coach. And then uh, Joe Barry definitely was sort of unproven uh, as he took the job. So uh, with, uh, with quite a bit of poor success in his background. Um, Jim Leonard obviously has had good success, but at a different level of football, and I'm kind of skeptical or nervous to just go right in and say he would be, you know, the best choice. Um, I'm wondering, I don't even know, is Vic Fangio available? Because if, if nobody's got Vic Fangio as their defensive coordinator, I don't know if he's just not interested in that anymore or, uh, or what, but I mean, could you get Vic Fangio? Is he still up to the task? Um, uh, I'd be, you'd think there'd be some, some folks that could really, you know, move the needle, so to speak. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm curious to see what they'll do. Um, I just hope they don't do another similar hire where it's like, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you just want them to take the obvious thing. Like Rich Passaccia was the obvious thing, right. you know, somebody who had a very, very strong reputation as a great special teams coach. And I think he's been really good for our team. So we'll see what happens, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, and the obvious thing before that was the guy that's over in New Orleans, and they've had like the best special teams unit for basically since they've hired the guy. I don't remember his name, but that was a big thing. And essentially, the Packers just didn't want to pay him what he was asking. It was very high for a special teams coordinator, and they just told him to go pound sand, and we've kind of paid the price for that. Um, a couple of different things you touched on. Vic Fangio is in Miami, but uh, I think that that generally ties into what you're saying about, look, you know, some of these guys are obvious, right? I mean, if Fangio's floating around, I mean, it depends why. I mean, I, I don't know that 100% Fangio fixes everything, but I, I feel like he sets a pretty high floor. And um, if he was floating around, you'd grab him. Same with, you know, the some of these other guys we've already talked about, the, the Jets head coach, you know, Sala. If he gets fired, that's a no-brainer to at least pursue it. As far as Jim Leonard, um, I know I was high on him, and then I did kind of a deep dive, and I just came very, very much, I think it was even like live on the show as I'm going through stuff, it just dawned on me, like, this is a terrible hire. Um, I think it had to do with the, the the scheme. I was kind of reading through some of the, the, the ways that he does things, and look, there's a couple negatives. Number one, I think college is automatically a negative, because you don't know whether or not it's going to translate. I mean, some of these guys are incredibly intelligent and, ex- and incredibly creative. I mean, the, the the innovation and stuff, it comes from, I mean, t- to the NFL from college a lot of times, you know. But I do generally think that's a negative because I don't know if it would translate. Not only just the the scheme, but, you know, being an actual NFL head coach and all the different, or, or defensive coordinator and everything that comes with that. It's a different environment. I mean, you're not dealing with college kids. You're dealing with, Grown adult multimillionaires, although college is kind of becoming multimillionaires, but that's a separate issue. There might be one or two, maybe, and probably not on defense anyways, but 
you know, uh, issue number two, aside from the college thing, is he he comes from a Mike Pettin tree. That's what he did. We already had Mike Pettin. Now, he's not just a Mike Pettin disciple. He had to go back to college, and he learned a bunch of stuff. I think he coached under Aranda, if I'm not mistaken, and took a bunch of stuff. I mean, that was, as I was diving through, he learned from different people, NFL and college people, and sort of incorporated that. But uh, the, the another issue is I don't think the Badgers defense that he employed would translate to the NFL. That's not to say he couldn't adapt it, but what he did in, in Wisconsin, there's no way. Because, I mean, he ran a a very legit 3-4 insofar as you had four linebackers that were all linebackers. They were completely interchangeable in terms of who, who rushed the passer and who dropped in coverage. There were no 280-pound edge rushers in Wisconsin. You've got a bunch of 225-pound guys. That ain't going to fly. So again, some of the stuff could translate, and it's probably a much more aggressive uh, and disguising type of thing, but it's, it's harder to disguise when your guys are so pronounced. When you have everybody on the line and you genuinely have no idea who's going to drop, and, and the ones that do are just as good in coverage as everybody else, and the ones that rush are just as good at rushing as, the, as everybody else, yeah, I mean, that's, that's cool, but that ain't going to happen in Green Bay, you know? And, and what are you going to do? You're going to drop Rashawn a bunch more and Preston a bunch more, and that's going to be the, the magic sauce? That's going to suck. So, I and, and again, there were, there were other things as I was going through and understanding that I, I can't exactly remember right now. But as I went through, it was like, there's, there's no way. So, you know, maybe it could work, and I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, this, this is the guy that Matt LaFleur wanted to hire, and he turned it down. And so we went with Joe Barry as sort of the number two option. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the first phone call that they make is to um, Jim Leonard. One more thought. Um, I know I've called in a few times uh, with some admiration for Justin Herbert and uh, suggesting that if, you know, the Chargers end up, you know, putting him for trade or something like that, that would be an interesting thing to think about. But in a way, I almost wonder if Jordan Love isn't a little bit like Justin Herbert right now where um, he's pretty solid and his defense is kind of um, screwing the pooch in a lot of ways. Uh, Justin Herbert obviously has a more proven track record in terms of having played longer. But um, but I wonder if... Uh, if our situation isn't just a little bit like the Chargers, except I do think, you know, Matt LaFleur is a better choice for a head coach because he is an offensive guy. And um, the Chargers' problem is that their head coach was a defensive coach and they still had a horrible defense. So uh, I'm wondering, would you rather have Jordan Love with the question marks that he still has or someone like a Justin Herbert, uh, or I don't, I don't know who a comparable quarterback would be, but uh, who's who we know is good, but has always kind of been held back by his team around him. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Personally, I'm kind of on the side of, hey, at this point from what we've seen of Jordan Love, I think he's pretty darn good, and... When he's really good, he is Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers level uh, of throwing talent. 
Um, and I, I do think Justin Herbert is a rare type of quarterback as well, just how strong he is and, like, how tall and, like, just solid he is. But at the same time, uh, there's an excite there's an excitement in Jordan Love's play style that I think if he can maximize his potential would be awesome. Plus the homegrown Packers thing of drafting a guy and developing him is pretty sweet. But would you take the trade if you knew that you would get a Justin Herbert or gosh, who else would be a another I don't know who else would be another. Most of the good quarterbacks kind of are set in their situation. So I'll leave it at that. But um, just just curious. Well, it's a fair it's a fair question. Um, I think like most of the head coaches, the odds that the Chargers let somebody like Justin Herbert walk out the door are almost zero. Um, I don't care how bad your team is, your situation is. I mean, this is the thing that everybody looks for is that quarterback and they have him. <clears throat> so if they let him walk out the door, that would be the dumbest thing I think I've ever seen a team do. Um, I, I, I like Jordan. I don't know how you turn down a 25 year old top 10 quarterback, you know, um, six, six, two thirty six. I don't know how this season is going to end, but in 2021 and 2022, he was over 5,000 yards. In 2021, he was almost 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. He had 38 touchdowns, 90 PFF grade. I mean, he's right now he's got an 83 passing grade, 85.4 overall grade because he's actually quite a good runner. He has a 73 rushing grade. He can he can move just as well as a lot of the other guys. Um. I just, I don't know that you can say no to it. I mean, I'm trying to think of like some of the red flags or things that would be concerning, but I mean, it's not, it's not age. Jordan Love and Justin Herbert are like the same age. And I mean, the only thing is why I think he can be better than Herbert, but I mean, Herbert is in that top five, top 10 conversation. So, you know, I, I, and, and unless it's just, I think that, Jordan has the ability to be the number one guy, whereas I don't think Herbert quite has that. Okay, fair enough. But man, you know, the the little bit of extra potential Jordan might have compared to the drawback of some of the negatives that we've seen. I mean, just, just by the end of this year, and of course Jordan can get better, but right now, you know, Justin Herbert is ranked seventh as far as his passing grade. Jordan Love is 17th. So I'm optimistic for Jordan, but how do you turn that down? I just, I don't know. But again, fortunately, that's not a decision we'll ever have to make um, because I don't think that'll ever be on the table. And um, hopefully Jordan Love does get to surpass Justin Herbert sometime in the very near future, maybe even next year. We'll see how it goes. But anyways, I'm going to leave you guys with that. I'm going to get out of here. You have a good rest of your night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.